Today we're going to look at a passage in John chapter 13. And we're going to, of course, going to have these scriptures up here for you. But if you want to do some note-taking for yourself, you can get out your Bible or your phone and follow along with us. But John 13, this passage here is normally, like traditionally, it's the Maundy Thursday passage. You know, Maundy Thursday is the fifth day of Holy Week, you know, leading up to Easter. And it's that day of the year that we intentionally, every time on that day, we re-enter the story. We remember the Last Supper. And it's these last moments that Jesus is spending with his disciples uh, for the, with the Passover meal. And then right after this, he goes to Gethsemane to pray. And then that's where he's arrested by the temple police. And then, of course, we know the rest of the story. He's crucified the next day after this illegal trial and all this. And so here, that's what's going on here in this passage. That's what's happening here, John 13. They're sitting at the table together, getting ready to observe the Passover meal. And so verse 1, it says this. It was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. So Jesus knew what was going to happen on Friday. He knew it. He, he knew what was coming. He knew the, the hell that he was about to endure, that he was about to walk into. And, and he, in the midst of this, he never even considered his own needs. Because John says this, having loved his own who were in the world. He now, say these next two words with me, showed them the full extent of his love. Let's everybody say that, those two words again. Showed them. There's a great message in our world today that says, hey, we just need to all get along. You know, I think that was Rodney King that said that. That was about 30 years ago. I don't remember how long ago that was. But can't we all just get along? And... Uh, I'm an office nerd, so I remember Michael Scott <laughs> quoting Rodney King, but he said it was Martin Luther King. <clears throat> if you're like The Office like me, you find that funny. If you're like Logan and you've never seen The Office, bless his heart, then... Why did you do that? Because <laughs> I'm trying to pressure you into watching this show. Anyway, it's so ungodly of me to do that. But there's this, there's this like mantra in the world, in our culture today, it's like... Can't we just all get along? We just all need to love each other. It, it, it's out there. It's a great thing to say. It's a great thing to feel. But you can't just settle for feeling it. And you can't just settle for saying it. If all you ever do is just have the feels, if all you ever do is just talk about love, then I'm questioning if you even really have it, if you're not doing anything to show it. So here's Jesus, and he's about to take this opportunity to not just feel the love, oh, not just talk about it, but he's going to actually show his disciples how much he loves them in a practical way. And he's demonstrating for all of us, all of his disciples there, and for all of his disciples throughout eternity, this is the example I'm setting. This is what I want you to do. This is what I'm about. This is how I want you to live because this is how I live. And, and so they're getting ready for this Passover meal. And what we need to understand is that the tables that they had back in the day were not like the tables that we have now. You know, our tables now are three feet off the ground. 
But back then, their tables were like three inches up off the ground. And, and so that's why you read in the Bible, it says they reclined at the table. You know, it was not, nobody had lazy boys at the table. It's like, you know, we're at the table eating. It's like, you know, we're not, they didn't have recliners. What they would do is they've got this table that's really low to the ground. You know, I think in our, in our mind, especially for this passage right here, Da Vinci has painted the Last Supper, and we're all thinking, like, they're all crowded around, and Jesus is at the center, and they're all on the same side of the table. What's that about, you know? <laughs> it's like, y'all couldn't need to, like, come over here on this side. But no, it's not like that. It wasn't like that painting. And, uh, and, and so they're, they're kind of laying down on their side and kind of eating at the table like this. So that's what's going on here. And I don't know why they laid down. Maybe it was because they were just... They knew a nap was coming, and they just were going to assume the position. I don't, I don't know. But, but one of the problems with this particular style of dining is your feet can end up in undesirable places, in unappetizing places. Like, your feet could end up, like, boom, right there at the table because it's only three inches off the ground. Or maybe your feet can end up in someone's face. And you got to remember, nobody's wearing Nikes. Nobody's wearing Kenneth Cole. Come on, Tim, you know, come on, brother. you got some good shoes. Nobody's wearing Doc Martens. What they are wearing is like the prototype, uh, you know, what is it, everybody? Chacos. Yeah, that's what everybody's wearing today. The prototype Chacos. That's what these guys are wearing. They're made of leather and rope. And you also have to remember this, that the streets that they're walking on are much dirtier than what you and I walk on. They're walking just on dirt paths often. They're not walking on clean sidewalks. You know, they're not walking, like even their roads. Their roads are not paved with asphalt like our roads are. Their roads are like soiled by livestock. Right? So what you would have at a dinner like this is you'd have a foot washer. And here they've got like the most important meal of the entire year. One of the most important meals of the year. Not the most, but one of the most important meals of the year that they're about to observe and celebrate with one another. And nobody's there to wash feet. Nobody's there to get down. And, and you got to remember, this was... How many of you guys have seen that show, Dirty Jobs? This, this foot washing would be make that, that show. And you think, again, what's the big deal? It's not like... You and I wearing shoes, like if I were to wash Aaron's feet today, yeah, it would be kind of weird, first of all. And maybe a little gross, but it's not like it was when, when everybody was just wearing sandals. And maybe even some people didn't even have sandals. I don't know, but this is a dirty job. This is a job that not even the lowest servant wants to really volunteer for. And here they are. They're getting ready to celebrate this Passover meal, and they realize somebody forgot to book the foot washer. And so instead of one of them, like, volunteering themselves to say, you know what, I'll serve everyone else, instead of Peter doing that, because he's often the vocal one, he's the one that's quick to, you know, say stuff or do stuff that's crazy, it's like Jesus is like, you're blessed, Peter. Peter, get behind me, Satan, you know. <laughs> You'd think Peter would be the first one, but he doesn't step up to the plate. No one else steps up to the plate. Instead, the disciples start politicking back and forth, and they start arguing with each other about who's going to be who in Jesus' cabinet. 
Because Jesus has just explained to them, you know, the kingdom is, is coming, the kingdom is here, and they're thinking that Jesus is going to establish like an actual political kingdom on the earth today, and they don't realize what he's talking about far surpasses, you know, borders and walls and, 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 and property, but he's talking about the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom and it's everywhere all the time. But they don't get that. And so they're arguing with each other. It's a great display of ego. It's a great display of selfishness. And then Jesus does the unthinkable. He gets up, and he takes off his, his outer garment, kind of like a jacket, I guess. And he wraps this, this towel around his waist. And he goes over, and he grabs the foot washing bowl. Now, I can imagine... You could probably hear a pin drop at that moment in that room. Probably just out of the sheer shock of what's happening, there's just silence. There's silence. Here's the Son of God who knew what was coming his way in the next 24 hours. The last person that really should have been washing feet as far as we're talking about honor in the room. Who's the most honorable? He's the king of kings. He's the lord of lords. And he's taking the position of the lowest servant in the house. Now, finally, here comes Peter. In a moment of clarity, he starts arguing with Jesus. Starts pulling his feet back away from Jesus. You're not washing my feet, Lord. You're not washing my feet. Jesus said, Peter, if I don't wash you, then you can have no part of me. We can't be partners. Because, Peter, this is what I'm all about. Verse 14, Jesus said this. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So if it's not beneath Jesus, then it shouldn't be beneath us. When Jesus said that he set an example, he's saying, hey, if you're one of my people, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to bear my name, then guess what, guys? This is how we roll. This is what we do. Unapologetically, Jesus says, hey, if you follow me, then you do what I do. Remember, that's what a disciple does. A disciple learns the way of their master, and then they do that. They do the way. They go that way. Jesus says, if you're a follower, then you do what I do. And guess what I do? I serve. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I came to give my life as a ransom for many. That's what I'm all about. Can I tell you some little sidebar here? This is what's really cool. Is that God created us, you and me, he created human beings. That when we do something, when we serve, there's like these chemicals that are released in our body. That, that like, get, there's like this satisfaction that comes. There's this, like, joy. There's this, like, happiness that comes. And it's not, like, happy, like, you know, hey, I got my, my, my new favorite whatever. 
It's, it's, more, it's more like, man, I am a fulfilled kind of happy. And that happens when we serve. And God, I, I don't know why God did this. Maybe he intelligently designed us that way to let us know when we're serving people that we're on the right track. Maybe he did it so that when we're serving people and we get all these good feels and like, man, this feels good. I, I did this for someone else. I did this for my neighbor, but somehow I'm left feeling good. Maybe he did that so it, it's like an indicator for us to know that, hey, I'm reflecting his character. I'm reflecting his nature. Jesus said this, verse 17. He says, Now that you know these things, you will be, say this word with me, blessed if you do them. That word blessed here in this verse, that's the Greek word makario. It also means happy. It means happy. In other words, if I do what Jesus is telling me, then I'm going to be happy. And again, it's not like that happy of like, Ooh, you know, I had that half a donut this morning. That was delicious. It made me happy. No, again, this is like that deep down the inside, I'm fulfilled kind of happy. Jesus is saying, hey, you're not really living unless you're making a difference in the life of others. This is why we're doing Serve Day. That's why we're doing Serve Day this Saturday. We're calling the whole church to be part of this. I know that not everybody is able to serve on the dream team and serve every single week. But this, is, this, is, this serving business is not just about a one-day thing. Although, you know, we're, we're going into it this one day. Again, at Blackman, at Stepping Stones, and the car wash, and sending teams out to pray for one another. It's going to be amazing. And uh, last time I checked, yesterday, almost 100 of you have signed up for this. And then we're going to come all together around lunchtime, and we're going to celebrate, and we're going to eat lunch together. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be great. And another really cool part about this is that we're not doing it by ourselves. We're doing it in community, not just with each other, not just within the Seeds family, but there's over 800 churches around the country, and even some of them internationally, that we're all invading our local communities on this day, on this Saturday, July the 14th, and we, again, are trying to make the biggest splash of the love of God that we possibly can. Even uh, our friends down here at Victory in Smyrna, the uh, church that launched just like six months after we did, they're involved in, just down the road. There's a church in, in Franklin and Spring Hill that's involved. There's churches all over Middle Tennessee, and we're just saying, here we are. In the name of Jesus, we want to love you and bless you and serve you. And I'm telling you that when we do that, there's that Macario. There's that happiness. There's that fulfillment. That, that comes up on the inside of us. Again, if you hadn't done it, you can still sign up to do it, seedschurchtn.com. But do, do this. Let's do this. Regardless if you can make it on Saturday, like some of you are like, well, we're, we planned vacation to go out of town. Okay. It didn't work out for you this weekend. But listen, make the commitment in your heart. We're going to be a servant. I'm going to be a servant. So if we're going to serve, if we're going to reflect the character and nature of Jesus in this way, then I think it's a fair question for us to ask is, what is a servant? Right? What is one? Well, the word servant is mentioned hundreds of times throughout the scripture, as you might imagine. And in the New Testament, there are seven Greek words for basically the English word serve or servant. See, all the New Testament manuscripts, they were all originally written in Greek. 
And so, you know, you, you go through and you, in English, we see the word serve or servant, but it could be any one of these other seven different Greek words. And we don't have time to look at all seven of these today, but to give us some greater depth and greater meaning and to find out the answer to the question, what is servant, what is a servant, I want us to look at, at three of these Greek words today. And the first one is this. It's the Greek word doulos, doulos, and it's translated in English to the word bondservant. And sometimes, in, even in your scriptures, you'll be reading this, and instead of saying bondservant, it'll say slave. And, and, and so, um, if you've been in, in church any amount of time, you've probably heard this verse a number of times. You're probably familiar with it. But Mark chapter 10, verse 43, Jesus says, Whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be servant of all. Now here in this verse, we've got, some translations actually says right there, uh, whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. So we've got this word servant or slave twice here in this passage, but there's actually, it's, it's actually two different Greek words. What I want to do is take a look at that second Greek word first, this, and that's the word doulos. That's the word bondservant right there. And during the time that this was written, a great number of people were working as indentured servants. Basically, they were working to pay off of debt. They had some kind of debt in their family, and they're working just to pay this debt off. But back in the day, they had this law that protected these indebted people. And so if you were working as a servant or as a slave for, you know, to pay off your debt, that master could not hold the debt over you any longer than seven years. Seven years of serving comes up, and guess what? Even if your debt, the master, if he wasn't satisfied, if your debt had been paid or not, guess what? You were set free. You're no longer indebted to them any longer. Something remarkable would happen from time to time, and now it's this. At the end of seven years, that servant found that he didn't want to leave. He, he had been a servant in the house, but he had not been treated like a servant. He had been treated like family. And so he would voluntarily go to his master and say, Hey, I don't want to leave. You've been so good to me. You've treated me so well. I give my life to you. And then they would become a bond servant, voluntarily a slave by choice. Being a bond servant, it's about making a lifetime commitment. This is more, again, than just serving a few times a month here at church. It's more than just signing up for serve day. It is a lifetime commitment. It's like saying, hey, every, all, my, my money, my time, my energy, my resources, I'm dedicating my life to serve others. Dulos. Bond servant, lifetime commitment. Jesus said this. What did he say? He says, Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be doulos, bond servant, lifetime commitment. The second Greek word for that word servant that I want to look at is the word diakonos. And that's the Greek word where we get the English word deacon. Now, I think there's been a little bit of disconnect between what 
the Bible has tried to communicate to us what a deacon is and what modern-day church has turned a deacon into. I remember one of the churches that I grew up in, you know, the deacons were the guys that were out in front of the church smoking cigarettes and telling jokes <laughs> and talking about politics while we were inside having praise and worship. And uh, some of you are chuckling right now because you had the same experience. But, but it, deacon actually is a servant in a very unique way. Let's, let's, again, go back to that verse, Mark chapter 10. Whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And this time, it's that Greek word, diakonos. Shall be diakonos, shall be a deacon. So what is this? What is this deacon? Well, really, I think one of the best ways, one of the best ways we can explain it, one of the best pictures that we can think about this is a deacon is like a waiter like a waiter at a restaurant. And, and so waiter, I never waited tables. My wife waited tables for years and years. She was a rock star at it. Um, and that has actually kind of like trickled into her everyday life. The hard work of work, learning how to wait tables has actually helped her in life. But, you know, you got five or six tables, and you're running around between each table, and you're finding out what people want to eat, and you're refilling, refilling drinks for people, and you see a napkin that fell on the floor, so you go and get another napkin for that person. You see you know, uh, you know, a fork that came out of the dishwasher, but it's not clean, so hey, let me take that from you. And you're bringing you know, silverware to the table and menus, and you're taking people's orders, and you're going from table to table, and you're busy. And if, you are, uh, if you're a waiter or a waitress that's, you know, any good, any count, then you are busy your entire shift. As long as you've got people at tables, then you are busy, you are busy, you are busy. And you're not thinking about yourself during your shift. You're thinking about the people that have been assigned to you that you're supposed to be serving. You're focused on the needs of others. Diakonos, deacon, focused on the needs of others. I say, well, J.D., I don't really know what to do this Saturday. You know, I don't know, you know, I don't know what I should sign up for. Listen, it's easy. Find a glass and fill it. Find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and heal it. Listen, if that means that you're on the way to a serve day project on Saturday and you're driving down the road and you see somebody somebody's car pulled over on the side of the road and somebody's changing the tire, guess what? You just found a new serve day project because you're just looking for needs to fill. You're looking for empty glasses to fill. You're looking for napkins on the floor. You're not focused on yourself. You're focused on the needs of others. And Jesus said, what did he say? He says, whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your Diakonos, deacon, shall be a person that focuses on the needs of others. Now, this third Greek word for servant that we want to look at today here is the word huperetes. Huperetes is translated in English as under rower. In the book of Acts, we find the story of Paul. And Paul is a Pharisee, and he's up to some pretty crazy stuff and persecuting Christians. And he's on the road to Damascus, and he has this vision with Jesus, this encounter, and it radically changes his life. 
And the Holy Spirit begins to use him to do some amazing things. And we don't really refer to Paul as a Pharisee anymore. We refer to him as the Apostle Paul. And so Paul is telling his story in Acts 26. He's telling his story to King Agrippa. And this is what he says here in verse 16. He says, Jesus told me, now get up and stand on your feet, Paul. I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. So here we see the word servant again. And that's the Greek word, huperetes, and that's the word that means under rower. Now, how many of you remember that old movie, Ben-Hur, with Charlton Heston? All right, you don't watch The Office, but you watch good movies. All right, good job. <laughs> if, you've never, if you've never seen that, not the remake that they just came out with like a couple years ago, but the old movie with Charlton, it has got to be Charlton Heston. Come on now. And, uh, and he's been her, and if you, again, if you've never seen it, take off about three days off of work to watch it because it's a really long movie. But there's this, this section of the movie where he's a slave, and he's an under-rower. He, along with all these other under-rowers, along with all these other oarsmen, are in the very lowest level of the ship. They're at the very bottom level of the ship, and you've, then you've got these, these Roman commanders that come in. There's two Roman commanders that come in, and one of them is, is taunting Ben-Hur, Judah Ben-Hur. He's taunting him. And for no reason, the guy just pulls out his whip, and when he wasn't looking, he whoosh, whips him on the back, and he whips around, and he goes, you've got the spirit to fight, but you've got enough sense not to. And uh, he's been serving as a, this, this under rower for three years under this boat. And he's chained, along with these other guys, they're chained the oars. And what they're doing is they're the manpower that makes this ship go. They're the ones. Without them, that ship is going nowhere. And guess what? That's, that's where they lived. It's down to the bottom of that boat. No one knew their name. Actually, in that movie, that Roman commander referred to him as 41. He had a number assigned to him. No one knew their names. No one knew their faces. They were completely anonymous. For us, an under rower is about magnifying Jesus, not lifting yourself up, not saying, everybody, look at me. Hey, serve day next, this Saturday, it is not about Seeds Church. It is not about getting out in the community and saying, hey, everybody, look what Seeds Church is doing. Hey, look at us. It's not about that. It's not about J.D. Swilly. It's not about you. It's about lifting Jesus up. It's about making Jesus famous in Middle Tennessee. So if we put all of these things together, doulos, diakonos, huperetes, if we put all these things together, what is a servant? A servant is someone who makes a lifetime commitment to serve others' needs in such a way that magnifies Jesus and not themselves. Will you guys say that with me? A servant is someone who makes a lifetime commitment to serve others' needs in such a way that magnifies Jesus, not themselves. That's what a servant is. 
It's what they do. What they do is an overflow of who they are. The reason we're talking about this is because the Bible talks about it. It's because it's the thing that Jesus calls every single one of us to follow in his footsteps. He says, hey, I have set an example for you. I've taken off my outer robe. I've put on the towel. I've got the foot washing bowl and I have assumed the position of the lowest servant in the house. Follow me. Do what I do. And I've seen this in action throughout my life. I've seen it in the lives of my parents and my grandparents. You guys, when I was about three years old, my grandmother had a stroke at the age of 40. And she has been basically in a wheelchair for the last 40 plus years of her life. She's in her mid-80s. And my grandfather has stood by her side And he could have left. He could have broken his vows. But he stayed by her her side and he has assumed the lowest position. She can't do anything for herself. Her mind is present. Her body is, she can't do anything by herself. Not one thing. And he's just faithfully served her. And it's marvelous. It's beautiful. I've seen this kind of servanthood demonstrated in the lives of many of the pastors and church leaders that I've served under and followed. Man, it's inspiring. I've seen it in the lives of brothers and sisters in Christ that have served alongside me or under my leadership. And I've seen it in, in many of your lives. I mean, if I start naming names, I get in trouble right now. But I'm going to... Charles Scudder, you're amazing. You're a rock star, buddy. I'm just thinking right now of just going down the list. I shouldn't even said your name, Charles, but I just felt like I had to. I've seen it demonstrated in the the servanthood. I've seen it demonstrated in my wife. We're going to be celebrating 19 years of marriage next month. That's awesome. And from the time I knew you, you have served me faithfully. You have served our family. Faithfully, you have served the church faithfully. It's inspiring. You're following the example. It's marvelous. You're following the example that Jesus set. And we could just spend the next several hours and just go in. I could just look many of you in the eyes and just say, your example is inspiring. You're following Jesus. You're doing what he's called you to do, and you're making the difference in the lives of others. 
We've heard this message today, and now we have a choice. How are we going to respond to what the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Would you pray with me? Just go ahead and close your eyes. Lean into this moment. And I just invite you right now to just pray a simple prayer and just say, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? I just pray whatever it is that he's speaking to your heart, that your, your response would just be, yes, Lord, I want what you want. I want you to help me be who you've called me, called me to be. I want you to help me do what you've called me to do. It's not about me. It's about you, Jesus. I want to be a servant of all. Maybe you're here today and you've been religious, but you've not really been close to God. Maybe you're here today and you made a decision one time, but you've not really been a follower of Jesus. But you feel something drawing you right now to really know God with all of your heart. I want to invite you to pray with me. If you truly want to be a follower of Jesus, the Bible says that you've got to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he's master. And that you've got to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And then you'll be saved. And if you're here and you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus, I want you to do something. I just want you to be bold and I just want you to slip your hand up right now of just a way of saying, hey, count me in. I want you to pray for me right now. I want, you to, I want to pray with you right now. We're not going to make you come down here to the front and do anything embarrassing. But if, if you're here today and you say, hey, I want to surrender my life to Jesus, just simply slip up your hand where I can see you. Yes, I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. You can put it down. Yes, I see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Wonderful. Listen, everybody just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I don't want to live my life without you. Today I surrender everything to you. Come live inside of me and change me. Make me who you want me to be. I want to follow you all the days of my life. I want to live for you. Thank you for a fresh start. Thank you for setting me free. Jesus, be my master. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? Listen, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey. If right then you said that prayer for the very first time or you said it as a recommitment, if, you, if that's where you are in your spiritual journey or if you have been serving faithfully for decades, our next step is the same step together. And it's a step with someone else. It's a step not by yourself. It's a step in community in family, 
You need to be part of a life-giving church. And you know what? There's lots of life, great life-giving churches here in Middle Tennessee. It doesn't have to be this one. But I want to give you a personal invitation to be part of this one. It's pretty great. And what, what's great about it, it's not, you know, good sound or lights or big screen. or What's great about it is it's you and I coming together with Jesus at the center. That's what's great about it. And you know what? We're going to make mistakes from time to time. We're not perfect. But I tell you what, we are in bold pursuit of Jesus. We are in bold pursuit of who he has called us to be. We're in bold pursuit to do what he's called us to do. So come on with us. Before we get into the benediction and dismiss you, I want to remind you, we got our prayer team over here on the sidewall. And if there's any need that you have in your life today, if you didn't already come down and, and visit with one of them and pray with one of them and agree in faith according to God's word over your situation, I want to invite you to do that before you leave today. If you prayed the prayer this morning with me to follow Jesus, we would love to meet you, to get to know your name, to rejoice with you. Just come over here and see one of my friends over here in the prayer team. There's no need that's too big. There's no need that's too small. You hear us say that every week. We believe that God hears our prayers and that he's at work in the earth when we pray. The cool thing is, is we get to partner with him in that work. And the first place we partner with him is in the place of prayer. If you haven't signed up for Serve Day, do it. Today's benediction is from, comes from a passage in Romans chapter 12, and this is a little bit different than what we normally do. Normally, I pray over you, but today we're going to pray over ourselves together. And we're going to make a declaration. And so we're going to put this prayer up here on the screen, and we're going to pray this together. Pray it with me. Heavenly Father, help our love to be sincere like yours. Help us be devoted to one another in love and serve one another above ourselves. Holy Spirit, empower us to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Give us the ability to not be overcome by evil, but instead overcome evil with good. We pray in the authority we have through Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.